Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Welcome in on a football Friday. Plus the Jazz Road opener tonight in Sacramento. We're going to start you off with some football right now with Ed Lamb, BYU assistant coach. The Cougars headed to Washington State. Here is Ed. Yeah, Coach, uh, what, do you, what do you make of uh, pre- the challenge of preparing for a team that might be adding coaches to its staff at, at some point this week? Uh, what impact do you think that could potentially have on Saturday? I think, you know, the only pertinent impact is probably that it could be a distraction, just something, you know, us wasting time thinking about something that we have no control over. Um, you know, the, the, the rumors that we've heard about who might be coming back and helping out to Washington state, that's, those are guys that that's where that system came from. That's Rolo's background. And, and so I think they'll continue to do the same. We had, I just finished talking to the team about this. Some of our best performances a season ago when we, uh, lost five or six coaches a week uh, on some of these occasions to COVID uh, measures. Those were some of our best performances. This game is about players. It's 99% about players and, and 1% about coaches. Our players know that. That's what we, that's what we want to believe. That's what we do believe. And our guys will be fine. What, what challenges does schematically does the run and shoot offense pose for this 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 defense uh, is there any comparables that you face this season to that kind of run a similar deal to the run and shoot um, not exactly I think every week there there are some teams that are borrowing that that offense has been so successful for so long but in terms of the pure form of it what we're looking at is really the site adjustments that can expose any uh, any crack in the defense so any anytime you give these guys enough area they will find it that's what they're so adept at and they will continue to hammer away at formations and motions and personnel groups until they find where the defense is is weak in some area and so defensively we just got to be as tight as we can possibly be get off the field as quickly as we can and uh, and limit those opportunities for them to find where the space is okay we have questions now from Jay Drew and then Norma yeah, Ed. Um, a lot of lots being made of losing Keenan Peely. I know you're not directly involved with the linebackers right now, but how do you think the other guys have adjusted? Is it is it uh, being overplayed that they're struggling, or or are we missing something there? Yeah, you know, I, I think um, to to underplay the. Uh, the loss of Keenan Peely would, would be a mistake there. You know, I, I want to start with that. Like that's a, that's a huge loss. He was on the field um, a lot for us and in a critical role for a reason. And that reason is he was, he was uh, one of our best, one of our very best players with a bright future in front of him still. And uh, you know, I, that being said, I believe in the guys that we have and their abilities, any struggling, any struggle that we have right now going on, on defense, I'll put that on myself and the, and the coaching staff and not the players on the field. I, I think our players on the field are capable of playing what we consider elite defense, shutdown defense. And, uh, and until we do that, um, you know, we, we as coaches need to put the burden on ourselves. And then just the, the onside kick, um, where was the breakdown there? Uh, I think the, you know, anytime there's a breakdown like that in the game, you give the opponent credit for the execution and, uh, and again, take, put it on the, the coaching staff. That's, that's on us not to have our players 
um, ready for that moment. Um, you know, there's a, there's a big difference between, uh, for a coach between saying, Oh, I, I said that I taught him that. And then, um, you know, did he learn that? And in that situation, our, we did not learn and perform to the level that we needed to, to be successful. So again, that's one, 100% on the coaches. Hey, Ed, um, now reviewing film from both, um, the game two games ago, and then now this most recent game, is there anything that you can pinpoint that you could say, um, like, this is specifically what the defense needs to fix in order to have more successful games or, like, just know, like, this is where we're kind of lacking? Good, solid defense always starts with shutting down the opponent's running game. No matter how much the, the running game is the feature of the offensive style, it's still we want teams to have to play, um, you know, one-handed, so to speak. And so – it, it all begins with being sound and solid up front and taking away the run game. <laughs> and what's sort of the first step to get you back, get the Cougars back to sort of those first five games and the, de- the defensive performances that you guys had specifically like against Utah and Arizona State? Um, I didn't, I'm sorry, but I didn't understand the question exactly. Like, what's the first step you guys have to take to to fix the mistakes from these past couple of games to be able to to have more of that shutout performance like he did with against Utah or even against Arizona State? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, I, is that a follow-up question to playing better run defense? Just to – and how the defense can improve in general. Better run defense is the first step. Okay, next we'll have a question from Sean Walker and then a follow-up from Mitch. Hey, Coach, this actually probably bleeds a little bit uh, in, into sort of that last question because it – I mean, stopping the run tends, tends to lend so much towards physicality, uh, being more physical than your opponent, that kind of thing. And it seems like for the first couple of games of the season, uh, this team really pride itself on being the more physical team and maybe kind of lost that a little bit. I'm thinking in particular uh, last week against Baylor even. Is there a way to kind of in the middle of the season sort of rebreed physicality into, the, into a team or, or kind of re-engage a team to to be more physical? And, and Or is it just kind of something that you have to sort of show them and go, hey, be more like that, I guess? I, yeah, I think um, it's – it's it's definitely not one thing. I can list off um, many things that that would allow us to uh, or encourage our guys to play more physical. I mean, one is to for the as coaches to get more people at the point of attack schematically, and obviously there are trade offs and, and risks and rewards, which um, you know anybody that plays video game football understands. You put some more guys one place, you have less guys to put in another. You only have eleven, but that's one way that we can get involved. We can also. Um, you know, I think there are always at any given point in the season, there are underutilized players on the bench that should play bigger roles. And we have to keep an eye out uh, for that. I think as coaches, we have to make sure that you know, as we get into the, the, the shape of the season and, and how important strategy is, that we don't forget that um, the technical part of the game is still the basic fundamentals of, of block shed and pad level and tackling well. And so we have to continue to coach and, and reward – coach the guys to do it well and reward the guys who are doing it well. Ed, after uh, Keenan went down, you guys switched Chaz from safety to linebacker. How do you feel he's, he's performed uh, in that position change? 
Well, I think Chaz has done a fantastic job. I think he's uh, he's got a lot of athleticism. You know, we I think we've referred to him before as a hybrid because he can play a lot of different positions for us. That utility has been critical as as Keenan has gone down and we've had injuries other places on the defense and Chaz has been able to move around. There's, that's a big challenge uh, to go from one one position to another. And uh, it's a selfless challenge. You know, obviously, a player is going to be much more comfortable playing one position over the course of a season rather than hopping around. So it's been a selfless de- decision on his part. And uh, we're, we're really proud of the way that he's approached the game. He's, he's constantly trying to get better. And um, he's I would say he's in the same situation as our whole defense right now. We, we believe in ourselves, we believe in our ability, and the results have been unacceptable. And then on special teams, uh, Ryan Rico, we're planning on uh, expecting to talk to him here momentarily. And he's up in, he's the guy that we grew up in the Northwest. What do you remember about uh, recruiting Rico? I, I remember he was uh, the guy that was actually in the recruiting services, a heralded punter. Uh, what do you remember about his recruitment and, and the job that he's done thus far in his BYU career? Well, I tried to talk him into playing defensive end or tight end for us. That's the that's the first thing. But um, you know, we don't we don't actually go out and recruit um, punters and kickers with a scholarship very often. I think we'd have to be in pretty dire straits. And and generally, there are some guys around in the program that have the capability to kick and punt. So when uh, when we decided to offer him, it was for all the other reasons that he fit so well. I mean, a, a great athlete with a great frame, a big upside, multiple sports. And uh, we just felt like there was going to be a place where he could make a major impact for us. And then on top of that, the, the academics and the, what he represented to his team and his community was just, just the right kind of fit, like any other position player. And uh, I would be kind of uh, you know, overstating my uh, like um, punter evaluation prowess if I told you that I, like, I went out and checked out his technique and all that stuff. Like, I, you know, I'm... I'm a sucker for length and speed and strength and good grades and character, and that's what he represented. There's Ed Lamb talking to the media. We are going to take a break. When we come back, more football. Lincoln Kennedy, Raider analyst, joins us next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It's another Pac-12 road trip for Utah as Kyle Whittingham and the Utes head to the Pacific Northwest to battle Oregon State in Corvallis. Catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 4.30 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, time to bring in Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah being a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows that 2022 budget planning for most businesses is already underway. Take advantage of the Save Now, Pay Later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Lincoln, good morning. Gentlemen, good morning to you and all your listeners. How you doing? Good. Uh, you and Brent Musburger cracked me up again. Underrated <laughs> comedy duo. So the Raiders throw a uh, screen pass to Jacobs, oh. and he picks up 20, 25 yards, whatever it was. Good play. And Brent immediately pivots from describing the play to your reaction, and you're quiet. 
which I love about you not jumping in because I can hear Brent and I know what's going he's on. Pro. Yeah, you're pro. You don't scream over him when he's brought and I love that. And he's like, and my, and my man Lincoln is celebrating. He's wanted them to run that play for at least three years now. And it worked. And you're like, there'll be time to get into that later. Right now we got a game to get through and they're coming back to the line of scrimmage. So I take it that with a new play caller and with the coaching change, there have been I don't know how many changes. How significant was a play calling change? Because certainly both of you, it was clearly an inside joke in the broadcast booth. Right. Well, I, you know what? You know what, what's funny about that is the moment it happened, I stood up <laughs> and I had my headset on and I started clapping. I started celebrating. The play wasn't even over. Jacobs wasn't even tackled yet. He was. I was like, finally, they finally ran a damn screen play because they needed help to help protect their their line and their quarterback from rushes, aggressive rushers. And it's been something that I've been calling for for this for this team for years, a drawn screen game. And so when I finally saw it, I was just like, oh my gosh, oh, I got to stand up and clap. So that's that's where the whole the whole thing was running. But you know the. the the, the main difference between the way Olsen and Derek, I, I do believe they're working in, in tandem, um, Derek Carr, have been doing this, uh, and there's only been one game, so we don't really have a, a, a huge sample size, but they've, uh, you know, they've come up and they figured out, Derek Carr has a, a pretty good control of the check with me system. There are a lot of times where Olsen or, or Gruden, when he was calling plays, would give Derek two options. He would call him in a huddle, and he would go to the line and check with, check with him, check with me. And um, so he's ran that part, um, and he's still doing that. And I, I just think that I, I think Derek is even more so because to realize the weapons that he has at his disposal. Um, it's not always the focus on Darren Waller. We're trying to run Josh Jacobs, you know, trying to get him uh, you know, open up and involved in stuff like that. So the possibility of using all the, all the weapons on the Raiders has really helped them. And, again, we only have one sample size, and so that was the game in Denver. But they seem pretty, pretty efficient and effective throughout the day. I think just a personal commentary on your on your job as an analyst. I think the best thing about you is you're there to analyze, not cheerlead one way or the other. Right. And so that's why you're effective because you 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 you're just not there to put on the pom poms, uh, <laughs> and, and you know you're there to do a job, and that's what you do. Uh, six games. I'm still trying to figure out the Raiders in terms of how how for real are they, and I don't know that I really have the answer yet. It's a good question. Um... I still think we're trying to learn it as well, especially analysts and people who watch them uh, every game. Uh, look, I think the best thing that happened for them uh, amongst the distractions and all the turmoil that happened last week around Gruden was that they could go out there and play. Because I do believe coaches coach and players play. And when it comes to most, most programs, um, you know, when you have something that happens off the field, you try to put it behind you so you can go on the field and do what you do best or whatever arena you are and the way you play it. So I think it was a good outing. It was a solid outing. I mean, the Raiders were up, you know, what, 30, 31 to 10 or something like that for, for a while before they, the Broncos made it a little bit more interesting. Um, but it was, a, it was a good, solid showing that they're capable. Now, to answer your question, I think this is a good team. And I think this is a good team because for the main, the main reason this is a good team because Gus Bradley has brought a defensive mind, and now the Raiders can play defense. Trust me when I tell you, it's been a long time since I've said that. More years than I can count and remember, I'm saying the Raiders have to outscore opponents, you know, by you know a large sum of points, and 
and last year they were absolutely horrible. I think they were giving up probably close to 27 points per game. Um, but you know, this year is a lot different. So the fact that they're they're able to play defense gives them a stronger outing, a stronger chance. Now, I'll say this. I don't think they're a championship-caliber team. I don't think they're a team that's going to go to the Super Bowl. But I do think they are a playoff-caliber team. And that is what it is. So once you get to the playoffs, once you get in, then anything can happen. Well, it's funny you say that because that is exactly what I was going to say. Is I thought they are a playoff contender, more likely playoffs than not, but I would not guarantee that they're a playoff team. There's still some flaws there, and it can still go wrong. And there's no way I see them getting to the Super Bowl. There's some teams that just look to me like they're better than the Raiders. So the Raiders can get in, and now whether they last one or two games, but I wouldn't think anything longer than that. Any one game, anything happened, and they're good enough to win. Um, But I do wonder how much the coaching change in the middle of the year wrecks cuz i thought that of them for you know the the first month of the season but right. i wondered if the coaching change wrecks all that or do you think that even though it's already been a week guys are kind of past that or they're going to be problems popping up I think guys are past it, and and the reason why is because Rich Basaccia, the interim head coach, is a, and has experience throughout the league and been around the league many years. The team well respects him. The coaches respect him. Um, the other coaches. And what Basaccia has done is Basaccia has allowed Gus Bradley to run his 25 guys on defense and Greg Olson to run his 25 guys on offense. And he's still running his special teams. So there hasn't been a shakeup. There hasn't been a sort of transition of power, if you will, because the only thing that's really changed right now with the dynamic of this team is who's calling the plays. John Gruden was the play caller when he was there, and you knew that he would never relinquish that as long as he was head coach. But now that he's not there, now there's a, there's a combined effort between Olsen and Derek Carr, um, and, and it gives Derek a little bit more of an input into how to call the player game plans that he wants to see. And they've been able to utilize a lot of guys, and even in the last game, you saw Kenyon Drake have a big game, finally getting in place uh, to do things what he can do well. You, you didn't necessarily see that when, uh, when John Gruden was at the was calling the plays. So by definition, these guys are pros, right? It's what they yeah. do, and it doesn't really matter on the sidelines who's doing what to them anyway. They've got a right. job to do. They're getting paid to do it, and they go out and do it to the best of their ability, and that's just the way it is, right? So you have the situation in Washington State, and uh, BYU plays them this week. These guys are college kids. Different circumstances involving the departures of the coach, but nevertheless, the result is still the same, and maybe even more so because they had some assistants that left, too. I think four assistants combined with Rolovich. So how do you think these players, and they're on a a pretty good run here. They've won three in a row. They've gotten to lower back, and he's he's a playmaker and a gunslinger and all that type of stuff. Uh, Kind of a a little poor man's college version of Brett Favre, the way I look at him when I watch him play. I love to watch him play. Uh, But I'm wondering, how do you think this football team at the college level responds to this situation because it is different from the NFL level. I, I think there's a little bit more level of uncertainty um, that that is going to be left from Wazoo's um, uh, and team and coaching staff. The fact that they lost basically five coaches, head coach and four assistants, um, is a pretty, pretty big hole 
Now, you know, I know the defensive coordinators want to take over, but when it comes to play calling, when it comes to just their overall, uh, I guess if you're if you're a Cougar right now, you're thinking about where where are you going to if you should stay, if you should look into the transfer portal, what you should do, or more importantly, because as you mentioned, they're a decent team, they they've got a winning record so far. You don't want to just wash the season. So there's a there's a greater level of uncertainty. It'll be interesting to see how they play. Um, you know, was. Uh, has had had some flaws. Obviously, I've covered them a couple of times and, and seen this team a couple of times, but I do think they have some strengths that they can work on, but it'll be interesting to see how they play through this, the midst of the, the, the distractions and stuff they've had to go through. So you played at Washington, and that means you're going to follow Oregon and Washington State. you got an in-state rival, and Washington and Oregon have had a thing for years, so that's great. And then there's Oregon State, the fourth team in that quad. But they're running the ball really well. They yeah. lead the Pac-12 in rushing yards. And you're a lineman. I know you respect that. You were an O-lineman oh, yeah. back in the day. So they're 4-2, they're 2-1, they're tied in the North lead. How much of a problem are they going to be for Utah? I think they're going to be a big problem for Utah. I think that if Utah's not careful, I think Utah's a better team overall. They should win this game, but if they're not careful, Oregon State can sneak up and get them. Because, look, Oregon State's secondary is pretty damn good. I think a lot of those guys are going to be playing on Sundays uh, in the compute and in the near future. But the fact that they can control the ground game and control the clock and time possession by running the ball, it may, means Utah's got to watch out. Oregon State's a good football team. All right. Well, uh, how about uh, Utah? You think they've found their mojo now? I mean, to make the quarterback change, and and they haven't lost since. And and he came in the second half and had the great comeback against the Aztecs, but they lost that game, as we know. But since then, for whatever reason, and they've just looked totally different. Yeah, well, yeah. For I mean, it is something that, that 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 they do look different. And I've thought highly of Utah. You know, all this season we've talked all this year, uh, and and I, I felt that they had turned the corner. I was pleased to see the watch that game against ASU and and stuff like that, and see that they're 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 coming around. I think this is a strong team. I think this is a year that they can you can definitely, uh, and they've got so much to play for. I mean, really, honestly, they're they're a team within themselves. Of course, we know about the tragedies and losses that happened off the field um, with the, the players, but for the most part, you know, this team has been able to stick together amidst the distractions and the quarterback change and everything else, and play good football. I really do think this is a good football team, and I expect them to go far. Do you buy into trap games and look at schedules and all that because they're coming off a big home win over ASU, which followed a big road win over SC? Right. And they got UCLA coming in yeah. right after the – in between, they got to go to Oregon State. Yeah. So, so the, the big thing that I've often told people when it comes to college football is just, it's almost impossible to keep an emotional high point for the, the, for the level of these, these young men. And what I mean by that is everybody was a schedule watcher doesn't matter who you are. When the schedule comes out, you look, oh, my gosh, we got SC, we got ASU. And, and then you're, you're grading opponents, you're judging opponents, and you tend to have an emotional roller coaster when it comes to, oh, well, I got to get up for ASU because we, we struggled with that team. But Oregon State, man, we should handle them. They, they haven't been anything. Um, that's the hardest thing about college football. And that's what the, the, the toughest thing about Coach Whittingham is going to have to do with his guys is make sure that you talk 
up every opponent. That's what Don James did when I played for him. He talked up every opponent. Didn't matter what the win record was. He was like, if, if Oregon State had won a game to that point, um, this is a caged animal. Don't allow them to beat you. All that stuff. So um, it's it's really difficult to get guys emotionally high and not overlook uh, teams. And usually, you know, you'll, you'll see it on game day when, it got, when the team comes out and jumps on you, and you're like, whoa, whoa, okay, let's wake up. we got to find a way to get back into this game. And you're hoping that it's not that far. I'm saying Oregon State's a good football team. I do believe they're, 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 they're ones who are going to win the North. But I also think that, you know, Utah is a good football team that's going to win the South. I can see these two teams playing each other in the Pac-12 championship. So this is a big game coming up. A team in your town down there in, in Phoenix, really, and I'm, a, I'm an issue grad, so maybe I have a little yeah. bit more interest, but just, just completely I'm embarrassed for them and disappointed <laughs> with the repeated penalties. Right. Who's to blame? Um, you know what? I, that's a great point, question. Um, I know Herm Edwards personally, and I cannot see that he is not rolling over night, sleepless nights, uh, and thinking about these penalties. It is ridiculous. Um, undisciplined. You just don't normally see that out of a Herm Edwards team. I, I, I think it's just a lack of accountability. And, and the fact is they're not doing enough off the field or on other days like on practice and stuff like that to, to, to get it right. Because these penalties are really, I agree with you, they're really ridiculous and uh, unsettling, if you will, because when you watch in a game, you see a flow of the game, and all of a sudden you have an interruption of a penalty over a penalty over a penalty. It gets, it gets mind-blowing sometimes. Lincoln Kennedy joining us, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. So there's a possibility the Utes are going to play uh, in the middle of the afternoon a week yeah. from Saturday, and there's a possibility yeah. they're going to play at night. And I think we right. all assume that if Utah and or UCLA loses, they're going to get that 8.30 kickoff, which makes everyone cringe. So UCLA, are they going to hold up their end of the bargain? What are they going to do at home against uh, Oregon? That's uh, ABC 1.30 Saturday afternoon. Obviously, the coach against his old team and all that, but huge repercussions for both the North and South races. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think Oregon finally... I saw a little bit of a rhythm with them the last game I watched, and, and they, they, I think they got it. Look, they're, they're nowhere near perfect, but they're, they're still a, a solid team, even amongst the injuries. I think Oregon's going to find a way to get it together. I think Oregon gets the UCLA this week. Wow, you do, huh? Yeah. That's, uh, that'll be a shot in the arm for them. It's, it's funny because we go every week. Oh, okay, who's the favorite in the North? Who's the favorite in the South? Yeah. And it almost like changes every week. But and Isn't that great, though? I mean, don't you I, I suppose, that? I yeah, do, yeah. It's I fun. I, I love the fact that it's not it's not top-heavy like so many other divisions yeah, and conferences okay. in football. You've got competition, and you can see that. You can see the fact that these, these guys go out there and they play, they play hard, and there, there are times where you know, it's a complete surprise. I love that about the Pac-12. That's one of the things I appreciate most in covering it. There is top to bottom. There's competition. But if Oregon wins this game, then we reinstall them as the favorite. The yeah. way I look at it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I agree. Yep. Do you really think we're going to have the same old, same old in all these conference champions? Because in the ACC, Clemson, who's got a, a good run, is now chasing Wake Forest and NC State in their division. Oklahoma's undefeated, but so is Oklahoma State. Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State uh, are all undefeated in, pack, in Big Ten play. Uh, Alabama has a loss and Georgia doesn't. I mean, could we have all brand new champions after years of the same schools repeating? That would be refreshing. Conference? Because you won't be looking at the same thing. Now, keep yeah. in mind, 
keep in mind when I said, you know, Oregon's going to win this game, I still think Oregon State can beat them. I think Oregon State has wherewithal to beat Oregon. So if it comes down to the north side and those two teams are in uh, qualifying, um, then then I, I I think it'll be a, it'll be a new champion uh, possibly. And again, Utah, who's been there and done it before, hasn't necessarily been favored or thought of. It would be a great year for Utah to come out uh, of the South, especially when you look at the way UCLA is playing and and the fact that they just overcame ASU, who's been one of their normal nemesis for quite some time. Well, Lincoln, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the game this week, and we will talk to you again next week. Always a pleasure, guys. I'm hoping I get more screens and draws so I can celebrate again with you next week. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) There's Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Network Analyst and Raider Analyst. When we come back, Joe Ingles. Stay with us. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. BYU hits the road to Pac-12 country as Kalani Sataki and the Cougars square off against Washington State in Pullman. Catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 1230 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Joe Ingles joined us in the 9 o'clock hour yesterday. Episode 1, Season 8. Yeah, I know. Joe's back for an 8th season. Can you believe it? Here's Joe Ingles with PK and I now. He'll reference last night. He's talking about the opener. But you get the point. Here's Joe. Hey, yeah! This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic. And certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle Bells! Ben. Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show. <laughs> With DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's time to welcome back the man, the myth, the legend, Joe Ingles, back for another another year. And he joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain notes that 2022 budget planning for most businesses is already underway. Take advantage of their save now, pay later promotion, and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Joe Ingles, the man, welcome back to the show. How are you? Good. That was a hell of an introduction, and you read that little ad so fast. <laughs> it's a long ad. I've had to read a lot. <laughs> well done. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm proud of you as well. Way to come out in game one and remind everyone that you can still shoot the three ball. <laughs> I I wouldn't say I was nervous before the game because I, I, that kind of nerves of playing basketball has been long gone, but... I was a little like, anxious to get out there because obviously I didn't play much in the preseason at all, really. Um, and I think I played one half, or maybe just over, just over the half, whatever it was. And um, again, not not nervous, but just obviously wanted to 
to see how I felt and uh, I really hadn't played a game a, a, a real game proper game um, since the the bronze medal game so um, yeah I was ready to get out there I didn't know how my lungs and my legs would feel but um, yeah I felt really good and, and obviously good to, to get a win and, um, and and hit a couple shots and um, overall um, a lot of good things to take from, from the first game So what do you think 70 wins this year? That's a lot of wins. Um, <laughs> I mean, I hope we win as many as we can. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I don't even know what a betting agency is, here, but that's not uh, not my my life. So they had this kid, uh, Giddy, Oklahoma uh, City did the Australian kid. I think he played on your Adelaide team, and what was he? What, what like an alternate on the Olympic team? And the fun. Yes. He's 19 years old, right? He yeah, he just. Had- yeah, he just turned. <laughs> so we started the show in the spring of 2002. He was born in the fall of 2002. We're older than him. Our show is older than him, Joe. <laughs> uh, my, even my show is nearly older than him. <laughs> Did you look at him and see yourself 15, 20, 15 16, 17 years ago? I think that that's the funny part and, and why Josh and I have, have had a really good relationship and um, I obviously knew him when he was a bit younger and, and kind of coming through the ranks of those kids that you can obviously tell are going to be good and um, more recently the last few years having a, a pretty close relationship with him and um, it, it really started I, I still remember the day he, he signed in the NBL he decided not to go to college and, and signed the NBL and um he signed with Adelaide, my my hometown team, as a as a kid, and um, I just remember the exact kind of feeling and all these memories of of when I did that. We we he signed when he was seventeen as well. I signed when I was seventeen, and he moved from Melbourne to Adelaide. Um, I went from Adelaide to Melbourne, um, and just a lot of similarities. And and obviously, I wasn't the prospect or anything that that he is and and was, but. Um, reached out to him back then and just kind of said obviously I'm here to help we're going to be on a very similar path obviously yours is a lot more clear cut than what, what mine was in terms of the <laughs> NBA but yeah. um, just with the NBL and, and helping out and um, actually so they like it's it, you, you not, you, a lot of guys reach out to guys and try and help or, or are available to help and not many guys kind of take it the action of actually kind of reaching out, asking questions, and, and doing that, I had opened that kind of line of, of conversation up to him, and um, it almost went to the other end of like <laughs> not too many questions because I, I asked for it, but he was so eager for me to watch games and, and give him feedback and learn and, and ask me questions about what I do in certain situations, and um, it's really cool, obviously, now to, to see him get through the year in the NBL, and he, he played really well there, and then to, to be a, I think it was the sixth pick, six or seven, whatever he was. Yeah, um, right. And, and then, yeah, like he's like you said, he's just turned 19, and he's starting in his first game against me, which is which is pretty cool, and um, I'm glad we smacked him, but he's got a uh, he's got a hell of a future. He's a, a bright kid. He, he works hard, and I think the best play, his IQ is is unreal, and he he plays the right way. So I think with those things, he'll he'll go a long way. But um, yeah, it was cool to see him yesterday, and 
um, like I said, play kind of play his first ever NBA game against him. Shaquin Snyder had a, uh, a good line after the opener, uh, acknowledging that he'd been asked more questions about uh, Jared Butler than he had about Rudy and Donovan <laughs> combined. Uh, but I think that just goes to the fact that the core of the team is back, and we think we all have a pretty good feel for how most of you guys play and how most of you play together. So it's the new guys. It's Whiteside, and and uh, it'll be Rudy Gay when he can play, and it'll be Butler. You know, what are these new guys going to provide? What, what can you tell us about Butler? Maybe not so much production but more about you know who he is what he's like that kind of stuff um he sits next to me in the locker he's annoying um <laughs> no, I, I think it's true of what quinn said and as you guys know when i mean you you guys know us very well and the way we play and the style obviously the style we're going to play is going to be very similar um there'll be some differences obviously because there's things that we we've needed to work on as a team and, and individually and um, yeah, you, you add those pieces. I think they'll all they'll all help us at different points of the year. Um, Eric as well, Eric Pascal, and um, Jared's been good. I mean, he he obviously got a a pretty big opportunity um, in the preseason with with the majority of our guys kind of either resting or, or playing limited minutes. And um, yeah, just uh, I mean, I think for for his age. Um, the, the the clear cut thing is like the poise that he plays with. He doesn't get sped up. He plays at his own speed, um, which is is pretty cool to see in a, a younger kid. Um, off court, he's pretty quiet. He, he's kind of does his own thing. Um, I'm sure the other guys hang out with him. I don't hang out with any of them, so I don't know what they do outside of, <laughs> outside of practice. But um, yeah, good kid. Work, works hard, um, and obviously. I think on the on court he'll help us at times this year. I think getting his first taste last night was probably a, a lot. There's a lot going on, and we're back to pretty much sold out and first ever NBA game. So you know, it was a lot on his plate, but I, I think he shows signs every time he's out there of, of how good he's going to be. Um, kind of short term in, in stints, but obviously long term as well. You guys are very much a veteran team with a few additions, and even most of those guys are veterans themselves. Do you think that there will be any pacing of the team going on as you negotiate this long schedule? Yeah, I mean, there's always, like, kind of ups and downs, I guess, throughout the thing, um, throughout the season. And um, I think it was shoot-around I got asked yesterday or whatever it was, like, even just the connection of Hassan and myself. Um, obviously, everybody else is out on the court that's that's new but um with that second unit me playing pick and roll with him and and obviously fave has been my big for six of my eight years or whatever it is so it's um it does take time obviously the the good thing is majority of our group is is back and we're, we're the same and, and obviously with rudy out at the moment we're it's kind of jared hassan and, and eric that are that we're trying to kind of get up to speed and I mean, as you guys know, the, the, the system, or more the wording, the the the, the words and the, the um, names of things and the concepts. Of, once he's got those down, uh, all those guys have, have those down, it, it's very easy because it's, it's all the same things. They all, <laughs> one word can be in so many different plays or, or defenses or whatever, but over time it gets easier and easier. So... Um, they've been good so far. They've got the basics down, and, and obviously, as we get through this, as, as you guys know, 
um, Quinn will put more and more things in and, and, and make it probably a little bit more complicated but you just kind of keep rolling with the, the punches and we'll have We'll have some days where we, we do mess up the offense or, or defense and we'll, we'll have days where we're, we're on, on par with it and, and really good and obviously we've got to limit the, the badder days but um, yeah, it's been it's been good so far and, and getting those guys involved and um, I mean, it's like us, what was it, bubble and, and post-bubble, like even just this, this style of play of shooting more threes and playing quicker and um, getting those guys used to that like telling Eric to, to run to the corner and if he's open, shoot it. Like, there's no hesitation with our team. So, it, it does take time, but I think um, we'll have more good days than bad and we've just got to limit those those bad days. So, I'm curious, you know, the NBA is very much what have you done for me lately and nobody can really look <laughs> back on what they did a while ago, right? Everyone's got to be moving forward and all that, but international basketball is a little different. Do you still get up and uh, give yourself 30 seconds to look at the bronze medal every day and feel good about that? Because that was a goal you chased for a long time. I'm looking at it right now. It's still sitting in the same spot that it uh, had sat in when, when Miller told me to hang it next to her soccer trophy, so... <laughs> Um, no, I I was actually thinking I need to take it off the. It's literally hanging on the door handle of it, of the <laughs> door right now, getting banged around every time the door. We'll put it on right now. Why don't you put it on? No, nah, it's too far away. I'm not standing up for you guys. <laughs> um, no, it is. It, it was something. It's a weird feeling. I guess I, I started with the national team in 2007 and. Um, was just listening to Andrew Bogut's podcast about it. He had our, our national team coach on there on his podcast and 08 Beijing Olympics and those couple of tournaments after that. Um, not that the mindset wasn't we can't win some games, but I think meddling for us was, was a, a re- like we would have had to play unbelievably and maybe some teams have some some bad luck or, or whatever it was and, and, and changing that mindset um over the kind of middle of, of those 12 years of, of me playing to like, no, we, we've got a team that can matter. We, we've got a legitimate chance. We've got a great roster. We, we just need to like put it all, like why they're just saying in Australia of like, like she'll be right. Like just give it, have a crack. Like it's, it's all good. Like we're, we're Australian. We're fighters. That's what we do. We, we play. It was like, I don't want to swear, but like f that. Like, <laughs> Thank we, you. we're we're a really good basketball team. Like, why can't we win? Like, sure. change that mindset of like, we're not just happy to be here. We can actually go and win this game or this tournament. And um, it's uh, like I said, it's been twelve years, and um, I, I remember uh, it was the end of the third quarter, and they started to come back a little bit. And, I remember looking at Patty and, and talking to Patty throughout the game of like this just like this not that we said this isn't happening again, but like there was this mindset of like we would not let this happen again. Like there's no chance we'd come fourth the last three tournaments. Um, I think one of the benefits for us was they hadn't been in that situation before. Slovenia, obviously, Luke is a hell of a player, and, and they had a hell of a tournament. And to even get into the tournament, they they had to play well and. Um, we just felt like we weren't going to lose and um, to, to, to now again like you said sit here and look at it and um, talk about it like we had to see Josh Giddy last night and, and, and he talks about it like it, it's such a, a big thing he wasn't even on the team he was the last guy cut or second to last guy cut whatever it was so um, 
Yeah, a lot of relief probably, um, but also on the flip side of the relief side of it, it's like I want to go back and I want to win another one and I want it to be gold or silver. Like um, it makes you more determined to, to do even more. So um, yeah, I'll actually I might actually put it away today. Today might be the day I put it. We've got this really cool little case that came in, so I'll probably put it in that. And, um, stop it getting dented, banging on the door every time Miller rips the door open. <laughs> so you're back on the traditional calendar and the traditional amount of games as opposed to last year and the year before. Does that make any difference to you? Um, no. Should it? No. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. If, if you're going to treat your body differently, uh, you're going to play 10 more games in the regular season, uh, any of that stuff matter? Maybe uh, I assume no. it doesn't. I don't know. No, I think, I think, I mean, it's probably more normal than anything. Obviously, the, the last two years have been, well, I don't even know what the word normal means yeah, anymore, really. but um, have been very different and, and, You've got. We've all had to adjust, whether it be the NBA players or, or you guys, or um, every day, whatever. Kids, our kids are adjusting every day to this. There's just so much still moving pieces in this whole thing, and um, 82 for us is obviously the regular, regular, regular season. That's what yeah. we're used to. Um, so I think I think you just get back in the same flow, but I think. Um, with our team especially like you said being a bit older and, and more veterans and all that I, I'm sure and, and I have no doubt there'll be times that we'll, we'll probably rest um, certain games or certain times um, we haven't spoken about that but um, I think for us obviously winning games and, and finishing as high as we can but then you want to be going in the playoffs as fresh as possible so without thinking too far in front you want to um, we want to be, be thinking I mean even last night like pulling all the starters out with four or five minutes um, I think he was about to put Rudy and Mike back in and, and decided not to so um, even those decisions, those extra couple minutes of, of rest can add up over 82 games so um, I mean we've got we've got a great team um, that, that'll decide all that stuff and I'll, I'll just do what I'm told you still on lockdown part. on the road and all that stuff um, I think it's opened up a bit more. Um, I think the vaccinated, unvaccinated makes a little bit of a difference. Um, but I think we're all vaccinated. To our, or, not that it, I mean, it's not going to change for me. The lockdown or not lockdown is pretty much the same life for me on the, on the road anyway. But um, obviously a bit more freedom with being able to go to restaurants and, and catch up with family or friends for guys that, that have them on the road. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see... We'll kind of see how the there's obviously I said this yesterday in shoot around, but it's going to be inevitable at some point that there's going to be contact tracing or a positive case or, or something throughout this season um, and what that looks like. And I mean, my kids are at school. Uh, I'm not going to pull my kids out of school. They they need to be in there. So, we'll, so obviously, we've just got to deal with the punches as they come, but. Um, obviously confident within our group that, that our guys are doing the, the smartest and the best thing for, for us to be as close to safe and, and healthy as possible. 
We've had several coaches over the course of our show, probably four or five coaches locally who have coached here so long and done so many press conferences. Uh, we hear a question and we know the answer. I almost feel like I could just step in front of the microphone like, I'll handle that. Save your voice, coach. I know literally word for word what you're going to say. And I thought that listening to Quinn, because Quinn, after game one, got into, hey, we can't pass up shots. There's only 24 seconds on the clock. We can take, you know, if we don't take one when it comes, the odds are we're going to have a much worse shot later in the clock. And I've heard him say that dozens and dozens of times. And so I knew where he was going when he started in on that. And I wonder at this point, and you're bringing in you know, new guys who are going to have to work in the rotation, how much could you handle practice and just say, guys, this is what Quinn wants. We've all, Everybody who's been here knows this is what he wants. How much of that could you, could you or any of the other veterans literally run because he is consistent with the message over a long period? Yeah, I mean, I I said it in I think it was one of the training camp sessions or, or one of the practices more recently. I I said to Alex Jensen, who's been here the whole time with me, um, I was like, man, I know exactly what he's he stopped practice. I was like, I know what he's going to say, and I know exactly what he's talking about. And I've like heard this like the same speech of. Um, certain things like you said certain things he says or certain ways he thinks um, yeah I feel like I've got a pretty good grasp on what he's going to say or what he's going to what he's thinking to say um, I mean even last night we had a I think they were at the free throw line and JC was about to sub in and was asking me what play we're going to run and I looked at coach and I was like we both said at the same time but we said exactly the same play and I was like that just shows <laughs> like another sign of <laughs> we've been together for too long well not too long I shouldn't say too long we've been together for a long time um, and it was like instantly like we both said exactly the same play and he like high-fived me and was like yep you got it <laughs> um, it's obviously for a few of us we've been around him as you guys have but there's, there's a couple of coaches that have been here the whole time and I think Rudy and I are the only two from that the first year of, of Quinn, but um, obviously Donovan and that have, have been a, a good chunk as well. So, um, yeah, it's funny. I've, I've heard a lot of the same pre-season talks or, or the same uh, the same things about certain actions or, or certain ways we play and, and stuff like that. So I've got a... Yeah, I mean, I if he wasn't there for a day, I feel like I could coach our team and it would be exactly the same as... They wouldn't. They wouldn't be able to tell the difference if my voice was the same as his. Well, it's good to have your voice back on the radio for another year, Joe. Thanks for joining us. Good luck in the coming week, and uh, try not to ding up that bronze medal any more than absolutely necessary. No, I'm actually literally as I hang up the phone, I'm going to go put it in the box. I've got the box sitting on the our little desk upstairs, so it's just been sitting there waiting for the day that. My lazy ass goes and actually puts it away. Um, but it was nice to look at it for one more time. It's actually really heavy, so might need some help carrying it up the stairs. <laughs> well, thanks, Joe. We'll talk to you again next week. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right, there's Joe Ingles, the first of his weekly visits. He'll be with us all season long. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines next.